Uh, Hear the word of God, Judges chapter 6. Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian for seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel. Because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made for themselves the dens, the caves, and the strongholds which are in the mountains. So it was whenever Israel had sown, Midianites would come up, also Amalekites, and the people of the east would come up against them. Then they would encamp against them and destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep nor ox nor donkey. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents, coming in as numerous as locusts. Both they and their camels were without number, and they would enter the land to destroy it. So Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. And it came to pass when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord because of the Midianites, that the Lord sent a prophet to the children of Israel who said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of bondage, and I delivered you out of the hand of of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all who oppressed you and drove them out before you and gave you their land. Also I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abazrite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Gideon said to him, O my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hand of the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So he said to him, O my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you. You shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Then he said to him, If I have now found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that it is you who talk with me. Do not depart from here, I pray, until I come to you and bring out my offering and set it before you. And he said, I will wait until you come back. So Gideon went in and prepared a young goat and unleavened bread from the ephah flour. The meat he put in a basket, and he put the broth in a pot, and he brought them out to him under the terebinth tree and presented them. The angel of of God said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened bread and lay lay them on this rock and pour out the broth. And he did so. 
Then the angel of the Lord put out the end of the staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the unleavened bread. And fire rose out of the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread. And the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. Now Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. So Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. Then the Lord said to him, Peace be with you. Do not fear. You shall not die. So Gideon built an altar there to the Lord, and he called it, The Lord is Peace. To this day it is still in Ophrah of the Abazarites. Now it came to pass the same night that the Lord said to him, Take your father's young bull, the second bull of seven years old, tear down the altar of Baal that your father has, and cut cut down the wooden image that is beside it, and build an altar to the Lord your God on top of this rock in the proper arrangement. And take the second bull and offer a burnt offering with the wood of the image of which you shall cut down. So Gideon took ten men from among his servants and did as the Lord said to him. But because he feared his father's household and the men of the city too much to do it by day, he did it by night. And when the men of the city arose in the morning, there was the altar of Baal torn down and the wooden image that was beside it was cut down and the second bull was being offered on the altar which had been built. So they said to one another, who has done this thing? And when they had inquired and asked, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, has done this thing. Then the men of the city said to Joash, bring out your son that he may die because he has torn down the altar of Baal and because he has cut down the wooden image that was beside it. But Joash said to all who stood against him, Would you plead for Baal? Would you save him? Let the one who would plead for him be put to death by morning. If he is a god, let him plead for himself, because his altar has been torn down. Therefore, on that day, he called him Jerubbaal, saying, Let Baal plead against him, because he has torn down his altar. Then all the Midianites and Amalekites, the people of East, gathered together, and they crossed over and encamped in the valley of Jezreel. But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and he blew the trumpet, and the Abazarites gathered beside him, behind him. And he sent messengers throughout all Manasseh, who also gathered behind him. He also sent messengers to Asher, Zebulun, and Naphtali, and they came up to meet them. So Gideon said to God, If you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said, Look, I shall put a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. If there is dew on the fleece only, and it is dry on all the ground, then I shall know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said. And it was so. When he rose early the next morning and squeezed the fleece together, he wrung the dew out of the fleece a bowlful of water. Then Gideon said to God, Do not be angry with me, but let me speak just once more. Let me test, I pray, just once more with the fleece. 
Let it now be dry only on the fleece, but on the ground let there be dew. And God did so that night. It was dry on the fleece only, but there was dew on all the ground. And here, my dear friends, is the word of the Lord. Uh, As it endures forever, may it endure and uh, be breathed out into our hearts as we seek our God. Well, as we have been going through the book of Judges, we understand that this book is revealing to us something of the nature of backsliding, that nature that is ours, that propensity that we have as God's covenant people, even as the church today, toward idolatry and straying. And I think in our day and time, idolatry and straying uh, happens in a bit more subtle way than actually having uh, images and altars to Baal and other false gods that exist. And we make those applications in our own hearts. Sometimes they're the gods of prosperity and comfort and peace and settledness. But what we see as we're going through here is that when the church gives itself over to idols, when it breaks the first and even second commandment in that way, the Lord gives his people into the hand of those whose gods they desired to follow. You want to see what it is like worshiping and serving these gods? Here it is. It's bondage. It's a bondage that Israel needed to experience in real life. That's why they're always being oppressed by another nation and and enslaved in that way. And, And this happens again within this chapter under the hand of the Midianites. And these aren't just simply seven uh, hard years uh, of living. It was a harsh discipline that, as you saw in verse 6, it greatly impoverished Israel. And, And once more, we see what Israel does as the harshness of God's hand upon them begins to work. They cried out to the Lord. Verse 7. Israel cried out to the Lord. And why did they cry out? Because they were greatly impoverished. It's again that pattern that Israel has where the the impact of discipline, the consequences of discipline, is their focus, not necessarily the cause of that discipline and the sin that they have committed against God. And that's often the case in our own hearts. We are not always good at analyzing why we have troubles in our life. And so the Lord sent a prophet, verses 8 to 10, a prophet who doesn't really necessarily bring relief, but exposes to Israel once again why this is happening to them. And this prophet recounts the merciful grace of God that had redeemed and had established Israel in the land. And that command that God gave to them not to fall under the gods of the Amorites and the land that they dwelled, but that conviction of what they did against the Lord their God. 
you have not obeyed God's voice. I dare to bring this up, but it's why I sent out that email yesterday and concerning a very prominent Baptist minister. When we turn away from explicit commands of God's word, only trouble and division can come. We can be pragmatic at times in our life and ministry, knowing what God's word says and yet disobeying. Those are hard lessons for the church to learn. And as much as Judges reveals that tendency of God's covenant people toward compromise and straying and idolatry, more importantly, the book of Judges reveals God, the attributes of God in respect of his gracious mercy. That long-suffering nature of God to contend with a covenant people who continue in unfaithfulness before him. And And I trust as we continue on through this book that you will see more and more of of God in that way, even toward your own life. That he is patient. His mercy endures forever. And the work that he has begun in us, he will be faithful to complete it. We again see Israel wanted relief from suffering, but God in his wisdom looked upon his covenant people, and he recognized Israel needed something much more important than relief. Just like a wise parent who understands when they are disciplining their child and their child thinks that the discipline is too harsh and wants to be relieved of the discipline rather than acknowledging uh, what their wrongs were that led to that discipline. Israel needed something more than just simple relief. And in this particular time, they needed to experience the holiness of God in order to hate their own sinfulness. And in experiencing the holiness of God in respect of their lack of hating their own sinfulness, seeing that this was the way of peace with God. I think as, as I have chosen. And you can see from the title of this message. That verses 23 and 24. Are the heart of this chapter. Where God is dealing with the very man. Whom he has called to be the judge of Israel at this time. Uh, Gideon. Who was to reflect that, that nature of Christ coming to deliver his people once again, from the bondage of their sins. That the Lord's intent is to bring peace to his people. And that phrase you see in verse 24, as Gideon experiences 
that measure of peace with God, having been challenged in his own heart with his own sinfulness and wrong view of what God was doing with Israel. Gideon realizes and experiences that holiness of God that bears upon his life where the peace of God flows to him. In fact, he calls the place, the Lord is peace. It's not just God's peace meeting him, but the God of peace who has come alongside of him to be with him. And one of the things that that we see within this chapter regarding that peace of God is that peace is not the absence of pain or affliction or suffering. That's what we often want. Uh, You have heard it from me, congregation, often. It's one of the struggles we have in praying for people who are under affliction and suffering and pain. We want that suffering and pain to be removed as quick as possible. And we rarely stop to think, what peace is God striving for in this person's life? We know the ultimate peace that God brings to us in Jesus. That justifying peace. That, that peace of God wherein we are pardoned of our sins and we are accepted through the righteousness of Christ imputed to us by a holy God. We know that when we express and profess our faith in Christ, that work that he has done on the cross for us and for our sins, when we believe in that, through that justifying grace of God, what is it that we attain with God? Peace. Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the ultimate peace that God wants us both to possess and to live in. The peace that that brings to us is not an absence of pain and suffering or affliction. It is a peace that brings confidence and joy and trust in God's justifying love through Jesus Christ. The Lord is peace. And what you see happening in this particular chapter is Gideon is being called to lead Israel into victory over the uh, Midianites. God is setting Gideon here on that journey to learn his peace. And to know what it is to live in the peace of God with the God of peace with him. Think about that in relation to Philippians 4, where Paul talks about how anxiety and worry and conflict often overwhelm us and how we are to pray and how we are to 
pray with thanksgiving and laying all of our requests before God with a confident faith and trust in the Lord. And what does he say there? And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds. But he doesn't stop there. It's not just having a peace that passes all understanding. When we gain that peace that passes all understanding, our minds will begin to migrate to those things that are just and true and noble and right. And and we're called to meditate on those things so that what? So that we will have the God of peace with us. We will experience the presence of God who is peace. Not just the peace that he brings to to us. That more than anything, my friends, is what Gideon had to learn here. Even as he is called to such high and holy service. To know that the Lord is peace. And the Lord who is peace is the one who is with him. He struggled to accept And so you see God setting him, however brief this journey is, all of this is happening within a night or two. But he's setting Gideon on this journey in his grace. And I think a lot of it will resonate with us. God in his grace is meeting and coming to a conflicted judge I don't know about you, but when I read this, I think, wow, this is a man uh, who has a great deal of weakness and misunderstanding. And God has called him to do an incredible task. And he just doesn't seem like the kind of person that we would look to. He's conflicted. And you see that in verses 11 to 24. And I do believe that Gideon here is revealing a common conflict that rises within our hearts, that rises within a sinner's heart that does not know God. And that conflict is, where is God in our suffering? Where is God when we are afflicted? And it's hard for Gideon when when God comes to him and says at the end, verse 12 there, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Look at Gideon's response in verse 13. (laughs) Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened to us? Do you ever have those conflicts? And have you ever had people lay that kind of conflict in understanding things before your feet. For a Christian, and taking Gideon as one who is a covenant child of God, the one thing he seems blind to is that it is the grace of God that is holding him, even him as a straying child, until he comprehends his own sinfulness and need of deliverance. I don't doubt 
that Gideon wants to be delivered from the oppression of the Midianites. The problem is he doesn't seem to understand why this is happening. But Gideon's response does reveal a truth that often finds its root in our own lives. Listen to Isaiah 59 verses 1 to 3 and and see if this is not the, the struggle that Gideon has. Isaiah 59, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor his ear heavy that it cannot hear. In other words, that verse 1 of Isaiah 59 uh, is saying is that you can't blame God that you're in this state in the sense of, of God is not able to save or God has closed his ear that he cannot hear us anymore. God doesn't care. God has abandoned me. What a thing for God's covenant people to charge God with. What a, what a thing for us as Christians to think in our own mind when afflictions and suffering meet us. Where is God? Doesn't he care? Listen as Isaiah goes on from that. It's your iniquities that have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies and your tongue has muttered perversity. We are often unwilling in our sufferings as believers to look and to see if there be sin in our lives. Yes, Job's situation is out there. But that situation of Job is not indicative to all of our sufferings and trials. God chastens us. Hebrews 12, 5 to to 11. What father is there who does not chasten his straying, erring children? And, And God uses the weight of suffering and affliction in those ways. And Isaiah's point, and God's point even to Gideon here, is that it isn't our father's unwillingness or inability to save or to exercise compassion. It's that our ears have become closed to hearing the prophet. God has already sent a prophet saying, you haven't obeyed the voice of your God. And Gideon says, Lord, if you're really with us, then why has this happened? (laughs) Well, I've just told you why it's happened. And you still don't hear me. You see the conflict. Are we listening to God? Gideon, it's your sin, your disobedience that has separated you from God and hidden his face. But look, Gideon, 
Grace is coming to you. Look, look what God says to him in verse 12. The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Now, if there isn't a contradiction here, I don't know what is. If Gideon was a mighty man of valor, why is he hiding in a wine press to sift his grain? <laughs> he, he looks more like what we would call a chicken at this point. But God's word is true because God knows his grace. God knows what he can do in his power and might to deliver his people and to take such a one like Gideon and to raise him up as a servant. Gideon says, Emmanuel can't be true because we're oppressed by Midian. My friends, do you ever look at your sufferings and think God is not with you? Have you ever had those thoughts? That's a lie of Satan. God isn't with us in our sufferings? Of course he is. I mean, why is God responding to Israel not with uh, an arm of heavier, heavier punishment, but with deliverance if he wasn't with them? If he wasn't there watching, and again, we're going to come to it and, and we're going to hear those words Further on in Judges, but we get to that point where God looks at his people and their suffering. He says, I can't take your suffering anymore. It's just like a parent who says to the children, and children, if you've heard this, believe it. It's true. This is going to hurt me more than it hurts you when I discipline you. I can say as a parent, one of the hardest things to do was to be disciplining our children. And you want to love them. (laughs) And it's so with the heart of God. But we see his, his conflicted nature here is exposing where his heart is. He's self defeated. He resists God's call. He he says, No, I can't be the one that you're calling because I'm of the weakest clan, I'm the least in my father's house. You really need to get something else, someone else. And yet God's grace persists. And I, I think that's the more important thing to see in, in these verses. Is that God's grace is persisting with the one who is in the bondage of his sin and disobedience. Till he comprehends Emmanuel. God is with And in his confliction, Gideon wants a sign. He's seeking assurance. And this is what becomes even more remarkable. He says there in verse 17, If you're really with us, Lord, then accept my offering and wait here till I bring it to you. And the Lord condescends to him and waits. But then when the Lord receives his offering, what is Gideon's reaction? He's more terrified in the end. Did you see that? Verse 22. Gideon now perceived that this was the Lord who was before him. And he said, oh no. I've seen the angel of the Lord face to face. And he's more terrified. 
Why? He was seeking comfort. He was seeking assurance that the Lord was with him. Why is he terrified when the Lord shows himself? Well, it's like Isaiah. In Isaiah 6. It's like Peter in Luke chapter 5. And their eyes are opened to the holiness of God. And they understood what they deserved as sinners. Both, Both Isaiah and Peter said pretty much the same thing. Woe is me, I'm undone. Depart from me, O Lord, I am a sinner. Wanting the presence of God, and then when it comes, they're seeing their own sinfulness and unworthiness of the presence of God. There's the real conflict. How can this holy God be with this sinful man? Gideon here is, before he's able to serve God, his eyes are opened to understanding who he was as a sinner and what he deserved, death. My friends, when we come to that point in our own lives, that's still the grace of God at work. You know, we talk about grace Sometimes, as if it were like candy. Oh, God is so gracious. Do you know, God's grace will never be amazing or sweet to your soul until you comprehend in overwhelming fearfulness the holiness of God. You think about John Newton's hymn, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that what? That saved a wretch like me. That's overwhelming. And it's only at that point when in being confronted with the holiness of God and seeing our sin for what it is and what we deserve, it's only then that will pray that sinner's prayer. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And it's only then, as Gideon hears, it's only then that you'll hear those words of grace. Peace be with you. Do not fear, you shall not die. And it's only then that your soul is able to testify the Lord is peace. Look what he's done to make peace between me and him. What did you do to make peace with God? What can you do? Nothing. And again, this this is where the book of Judges comes in to show us how God is always bringing his gospel to his people. I am here to make peace with those who have sinned against me. God's desire for that peace 
often so much greater than our desire for it, isn't it? The holiness of God meets the wretchedness of man with the purpose of seeking peace. It is amazing grace. You look to your hearts. Can you say those words? The Lord is peace. When you see conflict within your own hearts and lives, do you look to the Lord and say, Oh God, save me. Wretched man that I am, who will rescue me from this body of death? And the answer for all of us is the same. Thanks be to God, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the only one who can rescue us from our sins. And it is Christ who came to meet with Gideon to call him and to raise him up to be that judge who is as a type of Christ would come and deliver all his people from their idolatry. I'm going to end it there and we'll pick it up again next week but I want you to see that the deliverance that Israel needed wasn't deliverance from the hand of Midian. It was deliverance from their sin and idolatry. And the Lord is the one who accomplished that. He does the same for us when we are brought to that humbling place. Think on the holiness of God. Understand who you are before him and what you deserve. My friends, then his grace will be amazing and sweet to your soul. Let us pray.